Um, this past week was uh, every every year I try to get away for a week just to kind of have some prayer and some planning and uh, to just kind of unplug from all the noise. And you that have been around this church for a while, you know I've got a spot. Um, I go out to Baker Lake. I go on kind of the other side of the mountain. And there's if you haven't been before, it's it's just beautiful. This pristine lake middle of the wilderness, um, I, and I have one particular place I love to go to in my home. It's now just become known as The Spot, and it's never guaranteed that I'm going to get it because it's one of these primitive spots. You can't reserve or book. It's not maintaining that kind of stuff, but it's this amazing spot that um, the first time I discovered it eight years ago, I walked, it's like a 10-minute trail down through this grove of spruce and cedar and, and all these different trees, and there's all these ferns, bushes, and blueberry bushes, and a little trail just kind of meanders down, and the first time I discovered it, I'm walking down this trail, and I come to this beautiful site right on the lake, and I just felt like, okay, Jesus, you made this for me. Like, it's one of those kind of things, and just for me, it's like, it's, it's paradise, and um, one of the things I love the most about it is that um, for my purposes, it's, it's perfect because it's completely isolated. There's no cell coverage, no email, no any of that kind of stuff. It's just me, Jesus, my Bible, my journals, the eagles, and the robins, and the frogs, and, and it's absolute paradise, which I know for some of you in the room, you're going, that's actually my picture of hell on earth, Rich. But, um, <laughs> but for me, it's paradise. Well, I got there on Monday, and uh, it was raining. Tuesday, um, this last week, raining again. But then Wednesday comes along, and I don't, know, I don't know what it was doing over here, but on Wednesday, on the other side of the mountains, it was just, like, gloriously sunny. It was, it was very cold. I've been going there for 11 years now, or 10 years, and this was the first time I've woken up, and there's, like, fresh snow on the mountains. So it, it, was, it was really cold, um, but it was absolutely sunny and, and awesome. Blue skies all day until about 3 in the afternoon when I began to kind of notice there was some more and more clouds that were just kind of creeping over the tops of the mountains, and I didn't think anything of it, and I just kind of went back to whatever I was, was doing and became engrossed in that, whether it was reading or writing or planning or whatever. And I was completely lost in my thoughts and was jolted out of them by the sound of rain kind of starting to pitter-patter all around me. And uh, I always I kind of set up a tarp when I know it's going to rain over the fireplace, and the tent is, of course, covered in the, the tent rain what it, thingy, you know what I'm talking about. And so the rain was starting to pitter-patter on, on all that. And um, I looked out, and the sky that had just, just been totally blue was now this dark, dark gray. And then suddenly, literally seconds later, the wind went from this gentle breeze to like this howl howling gale force monster. And, and the tarp that was over the fireplace just started to kind of whip all over the place, flapping around violently. Hail started to pelt on the ground all around. The rain went from a pitter-patter to like this torrential, like downpour going on. As if, and as if to let me know that this weather meant business, thunder started to crack over the mountains, and my tent kind of slowly started to lift off the ground. And so I went from this like quiet, peaceful, contemplative, rich to like all-out 
panic in a matter of seconds. I'm quickly trying to cover up the firewood. I'm grabbing my books and all this kind of stuff and, and throwing them in the tent. And then I myself, I'm diving in the tent as fast as I could because it was like sideways rain going right underneath the tent and so, or my tarp. So I knew I had to get inside my tent as fast as possible or I was going to get absolutely drenched. One of the most important moments in the history of the church happened in a very similar fashion. But it was even more spectacular. Actually, far more spectacular. And it wasn't one person having a, a quiet moment. Someone's going to come hang out, just get more of Jesus up at the front here. That's totally awesome. Yeah. But it wasn't one person hanging out, having a quiet prayer time with Jesus. It was actually a whole group of people. They were all together in one place. Jesus had just ascended back up into heaven, but, but not before he left his disciples and his followers with some instructions. He said, hey, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there for the gift of the Holy Spirit that my Father is going to give you. And so these followers waited, anticipating the moment when this event might happen. And if you want to read along in your Bibles, that story that we're going to read is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Every year on the global Christian calendar, there, there are, are several big days. Of course, um, the two days that get the most attention from not just the church, but, but everybody, are Christmas and Easter. Everybody knows about Christmas and Easter. There's other days on the Christian calendar that get maybe a little less attention, but they're always there. Days like Good Friday, um, days like Palm Sunday, um, but then there's other days on the Christian calendar that just kind of come, come and go uh, very quietly, completely unnoticed even. And I don't know if you know this or not, but today, May 23rd, 2021, is actually one of those days. And most of your calendars probably don't even mention it, but it's, it's, it's honestly right up there and probably, one of the, probably in the top five most important days in all of history. Today is the day of, of Pentecost, celebrated and remembered for being the day that the church was born. This is like the church's birthday, the day of Pentecost. And this morning what I want to do as we are, we're continuing in our series on the Holy Spirit is I want to look into the significance of what happened on that day 2,000 years ago and, and talk about what that means for us here today and in the 21st century. And to understand the significance of what, what we just read there in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, you really kind of have to go all the way back to the Old Testament part of the Bible, you know, broken into two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament's basically before Jesus walked the earth, Old, New Testament's after. You see, in the Old Testament days before Jesus walked the earth, God's presence didn't dwell in just any old place. If you wanted to meet God, there was actually a, a specific place that you had to go in order to meet God. At first, you had to go to a tent. Um, the tent was very much like the tent that I stayed in this last week, except it was obviously much bigger, much bigger poles, a lot more um, th that was to it. 
um, the Israelites would call this tent the tent of meeting. And it's where the presence of God would dwell. And the, the tent actually worked for Israel really good as long as they were, when, when they were this largely nomadic kind of tribe, just kind of wandering all over the place. But eventually what happened is they settled down into to Israel. And when they settled down, they went from a tent to actually building a, a temple. And it was the place where the presence of God would dwell. And here's the thing. Every time a place was established for God to come and dwell, God would always show up in a powerful, supernatural way. After the tent of meeting was first put up, the Bible describes a scene like this in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. It says, Then the cloud, just, just imagine this with me this morning. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And get this, Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When the switch was made from the tent to the temple, and the first temple was completed and built, and it was just this amazing structure, this incredible feat of architecture back in the day, a similar scene unfolds. And the Bible says this in 1 Kings chapter 8. It says, When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled his temple. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where the presence of God was so thick, so strong, so almost tangible, like you could almost see him and feel him. Um, it, you, you know you have one of these moments when all you can do is get on your face and just say, holy, holy, holy. That's what's happening here. The Moses and these priests, as God ascends, they, they can't even do what they're, 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 they're there to do. They're just like, they're down on their face before Almighty God. A new home is established for God to dwell in, and He shows up in power. And when He shows up, it's with a display of His glory. And what's happening in Acts chapter 2 is that a new home is being established for God to dwell in. Only this time, because of the cross, this home is no longer going to be in temples made of wood and made of stone, where access is only given to the most holy, the most pure um, priests who have fulfilled all the requirements of an old law. No, this time it's going to be different. This time, God is going to dwell with and in His people. And so when the day of Pentecost comes along, what does God do? He's like, it's moving day. Ready or not, here I come. And with the sound of rushing wind and fire, he comes and he fills every believer present. God has a new home in the hearts of those who put their faith and trust in him. And supernatural stuff is going on all over the place. I mean, wind, tongues, uh, or what appeared to be like tongues of fire on people's heads. All the believers speaking in other languages. There's a lot going on here that raises, raises some questions that we're going to jump into this morning. The first question that it raises is, is this. You know, maybe you're going, I thought God was present everywhere. I thought, he's like omnipresent. Isn't that the word that, that Christians use? Omnipresent to describe how God is present all over the place. 
and, and this sounds like he's only present or he's only dwelling in some places, tents, temples, and now people. How can he be more present? How can he show up in some places more than, than in other places? How does, that, how does that work with a God that's, that's everywhere? This, uh, one of my favorite authors, Christian authors of all time, um, is a guy named Dallas Willard. And you've, you've heard me talk about Dallas Willard before, but he uses this illustration to help us understand what happens here. That's, that's, it's not, not a perfect illustration, but at the same time, it's, it's a really good illustration to help us understand how God could be present everywhere, but how he can show up in some places. My body has a spirit, and, and my spirit is everywhere in my body. However, at the moment, there is only one place where you are experiencing rich. That is through my mouth. My mouth is the only part of my body, and my eyes blinking ahead a little bit, that is, that is moving. And, and my mouth is moving because my spirit is deciding to show up in my mouth. My spirit is deciding to be present more in my mouth than in the other parts of my body. My spirit is in my feet, in my hands, in my legs, but they are all completely still right now. But I, th then my spirit can decide to show up in my, my arm, in my hand, and all of a sudden my arm and my hand is moving. And then my spirit can decide, okay, it's going to show up in my left leg, and all of a sudden, it's moving. You see how it works? My spirit is present everywhere, but there are only some places where my spirit is choosing to reveal itself and show up in an extra special way, and God works kind of like that. Yes, we know from reading scriptures like Psalm 139, where it talks about, you know, David talks about how he just can't go anywhere um, to, to, to get away from God's presence And he's not complaining about that by the way He's celebrating that he, God's present everywhere But there are times And places That he decides To show up To reveal himself in an extra spe Special way And what's incredible about the events of Pentecost Is that God decides to show up In our lives And not just show up he decides to come and make his home in us. To make his home in us. Don't miss out on how significant that is. You can talk to him whenever you want. You can call on him whenever you want. You can be in the middle of a storm and reach out to him. And you don't have to reach out very far because he's living inside of you. You can bring all your cares to him whenever you want. Worship him whenever you want. But then on top of that, there are moments like a woman's retreat way out in Sumas where the Holy Spirit, who's already inside of you, decides to show up in an extra special way. It's like the hands moving. He's there already, but he says, I'm going to give these ladies a little extra something special. It's what happens when you hear him speaking to you for the very first time. And you hear him inviting you, calling you to come and follow him. It's like the hands moving. It's what happens when you're down in Camelou, Mexico on a missions trip. And all of a sudden, you're suddenly overwhelmed with the heart of God for broken kids and broken families. It's what happens when a Sunday morning worship service goes from being just another Sunday morning worship experience to all of a sudden, it's this encounter with God. It's what happened 
It's what happened when, when, when Saul was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians, and all of a sudden God goes, I'm going to show up right here in a bright light and forever change this guy's life. It's what happens when Peter and John are there at the temple courts, and there's a, there's a blind beggar there, and they go to, to pray for this guy. He's, he's instantly healed. It's what happens when Peter is up there on this rooftop, and all of a sudden God shows up in this vision, it says this gospel is not just for the Israelites. This gospel is for this entire planet. It's God who is everywhere going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up. I'm going to make myself known. My spirit's everywhere, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal myself right there. And my question for you this morning is how bad do you want the presence of God to show up in your life? Do you seek him? Do you hunger for him? Do you desire him? Are you like David who wrote that psalm and he said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than do anything else. Are you like that, that deer in Psalm 40, 42? It's like he's hungering. Hun, hun, what's the word I'm looking for? Hun, hungry and thirsty and panting for water. What, where are you at when it comes to wanting more of God? Second question. Rich, what about that speaking in tongues part of Acts chapter 2? I thought that was a thing that was only for the early church. Isn't that the stuff of, you know, all the crazy televangelists that I see when I'm flipping through late night TV? What, what is that stuff all about? Well, we're going to take a minute this morning to talk about that, and then actually over the next couple weeks we're going to elaborate a little bit more on what, what are the the gifts of the Spirit. What are, what are those all about? As for it being for today, the answer is yes, it is for today. Along with all the other gifts of the Spirit that we read about in the Bible. Um, last week, we unpacked why the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And so if you, you missed that, you're curious, maybe you, you grew up believing that they weren't for today, you'll have to go back, go to our website, you can listen to last week's sermon to find out about why they are for today. Or for today. Um, but as for tongues being given a bad name, yeah. Um, you just have to go on YouTube and search speaking in tongues, and you'll see some stuff that will make you go, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. But just because something has been mishandled doesn't mean it's right to toss it out altogether. Um, people mishandle the Word of God all the time. In fact, every cult out there that had its start by somebody mishandling, maybe you could even say abusing the Word of God, but just because it's been mishandled and abused does not mean we take the Bible and just toss it out altogether. Instead, we learn how to humbly interpret it accurately and how to handle it with wisdom. And Scripture is filled with verses that talk about speaking in tongues. Actually, there's a lot of them. Um, there's two types of tongues. One is speaking in an earthly language. This is what happened at Pentecost. It's this supernatural event where people who are enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, they speak a language that they don't know. If I were to stand up here and start speaking in, in fluent Spanish, um, even though I just know a little bit, gracias, como esta, you know, donde esta, albano, um, if I were to stand up here this morning and start speaking in fluent 
Spanish, and like they did in the book of Acts, they just start declaring the gospel and declaring the, the praises of God. And there was somebody in this room that didn't speak English, but spoke Spanish. And they hear me up here. That's a pretty powerful testimony of who God is and his greatness and God showing up in just a pretty cool way. That's, that's one type of, of tongues, and that's actually a super rare occurrence in the church. I've never personally been in a setting where that's happened. I've heard of that, about it happening, um, but that's one type. Um, the other type, which is more common type, is when God gives you a prayer language. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, this is 1 Corinthians 14. In that chapter, if you want to dive a little deeper into this, it's full of, full of stuff on this. But it says this. It says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Notice here, it's not an earthly language because no one understands it. It's mysterious. It's this prayer language between you and God. And then Paul goes on to unpack it even more when he says this down in verse 14. He says, For if, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. He doesn't say, I'm, I'm going I'm to stop using that prayer language. He says, I'll pray with my spirit, but I, I will also pray with my understanding. And this prayer language is your spirit speaking to the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit thing. And it's for you when you're in your prayer closet. It's for you when you're driving down the road. It's you in the car. Maybe you've got some worship music playing. And, and it's it, it, praying in tongues with other people being present in the same room. It's, it's pointless. It's distracting. And Paul even goes on to say this. He says down in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Interesting, the guy who wrote half of the New Testament says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He speaks in it all the time. But then he goes on to say, but in the church, so when he's with other people, he says, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in, in a tongue. Now, I honestly don't know where most of you are at on this. Um, as you know, CTK, is a, we, we are a non-denominational church. We have people that, that attend this church from all different faith backgrounds, um, all different denominational backgrounds, and, uh, and I don't know where you're at. Maybe you grew up in a church where it was like we talked about last week. Your church was all that stuff. That was all for the early church. That was used to, to validate the gospel, and it's not for today. Um, maybe you even grew up in a church where it was taught that speaking in tongues was from the devil. And... All I ask you to do today is to not let tradition keep you from embracing all of God's Word. We, we believe not just some of the Bible, we believe all the Bible. Even the parts that don't make sense to our 21st century, logical, enlightened, everything has to make sense minds. The Bible is so clear in 1 Corinthians when it says this. This whole chapter 14 where Paul's talking about gifts, but especially the gift of tongues. He says, he says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But then there's this little, this little qualifier. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And why would God forbid it? Why would we forbid it if God says, 
hey, this is, this is part of, of the gift. You know, personally, I've used this prayer language since I was 15 years old. It's mysterious. It's supernatural. Um, I can't stand up here and explain it. But, but I will tell you this, it's a good thing. And something happens, just like with all the gifts of the Spirit that God gives, something happens in that He strengthens me, He strengthens my spirit, and some, somehow connects my spirit with God's spirit in a way that, that I just, I can't describe. Well, Rich, are we becoming a charismatic church? What's, what is going on here this morning? Are we one of those churches with people rolling down the aisles and... We didn't get flags to wave in the front here and loud outbursts of tongues in the middle of the service. If that's what charismatic means, then, then no, we're not. Um, we are a church, CTK, not just Ferndale, but our whole network of churches. One of the things that, that we are all about is outreach. We are all about people that, that are not, that they don't know anything about Christianity. They don't know anything about the gospel. And we do not want them to come and to hear and be freaked out of their minds because there's stuff going on that just doesn't, that is, that is not easy to, to explain. And we're not going to get into why that is, but Paul in, in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, he speaks to that and goes, yeah, you, it, you don't do that. That's not something for a group of people. That's something to be used in your prayer closet, a, a, a prayer language. And, and so if that's what charismatic means, then, then no. But if charismatic means embracing all the gifts of the Spirit, longing for more of the presence of God, welcoming, welcoming the Spirit's moving in our lives, then yes, we're not becoming a charismatic church. We have always been a charismatic church. You maybe just didn't know it. Let me ask you this. Have you ever prayed for God to heal you or to heal somebody else in your life? That's charismatic. Do you believe that God wants to speak to you, not just when you have your Bible cracked open, but, but He wants to speak to you maybe as you're just driving down the road or you're, you're looking for direction in your life on some specific area? That's charismatic. That's charismatic. And, and, and we go, we want to embrace all of what God has to say. Um, but... Like one pastor said, I personally consider myself a charismatic with a seatbelt. And um, when it comes to the gifts, it's important to know that, that this is not a spiritual contest. Man, I got to tell you, I've been a part of churches where gifts became a spiritual contest. Pride crept in, and it got ugly very, very fast. Um, people with a certain gift are not more holy than, than any other believer. Third question, Rich, aren't we all filled with the Spirit when we give our lives to Jesus? Is there something different here that we're talking about in the book of Acts? Well, historically, the church has actually broken off into two camps around this. And um, in one camp are those who believe that you're filled with the Spirit the moment that you give your life to Jesus. He makes his home in you. He supernaturally comes in. He changes you. And he takes the old you that was dead because of sin, and he makes you alive. And then from there, you continue to abide in him, and you continue to live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. Um, the other camp believes all of that as well. However, they also believe that there's a 
second baptism in the, in, in the Holy Spirit. So this last week, some of you in our Bible reading plan, um, I believe it was on Wednesday, uh, the, the writer of the plan talked about how there's three baptisms. There's, there's the baptism... Um, there's a baptism when you first give your life to Jesus and he comes and lives inside of you. There's a baptism when you get baptized in water. And there's a third baptism where you get baptized in, in the Holy Spirit. This is all second camp thinking when it comes to being filled with, with the Holy Spirit. And it's this, this idea that, yeah, he comes in you, he lives in you uh, when you first give your life to Christ. But then there's a second infilling or a con they, uh, some faith traditions call it a conscious experience of God's power. It's, it's seen as a moment where you're in your faith journey where you surrender complete control on an even deeper level to the Holy Spirit. Now, CTK as a whole, I'm not talking Ferndale here, but I'm talking CTK as a whole, doesn't actually have a, a position on this. Um, getting ready for this sermon— um, I actually talked with uh, some of you know Grant Fishbook, who's the pastor at Bellingham. He's kind of like our CTK. When we, when we as pastors have questions about stuff, or we go, I don't know if should I, is, it, is this is this okay within CTK to be preaching this? Is because there's a lot of areas in our faith that aren't necessarily black and white. There's some gray stuff in there. So I was talking with Grant about this morning, and um, knowing that we don't have a position on this, and we had a great conversation. Um, and, and he actually believes in the first experience, or the first camp, where um, there's this, the Holy Spirit comes in you. And he, by the way, also has a prayer language um, that he told me I could, it'd be okay to mention that. I was shocked because he grew up Baptist, and, uh, but he has a prayer language, and he's from the first camp going, okay, no, there's, there's, there's that one infilling that happens when you, when you first give your life to Jesus Where he comes in, and lives inside of you I personally Am not 100% in the second camp But I kind of lean more to the second camp Where there's this second experience Where it's like a, a further Further just Yielding of yourself Control to the Holy Spirit um, and, and for the record Grant and I are totally good on having two differences um, Pastors within CTK There's some things we have that are like our Theological These are our pillars that we, we Don't change but then there's other areas That are a little bit gray this is one of those Gray areas where we're given freedom to Go okay um, yeah you can You can you can believe this and uh, th That's totally cool um, And you too are welcome to Hold a different opinion this is a safe place For all who are going yeah I'm going After God but for me personally the reason I lean more to the second camp is um, both theologically, for the theological reasons, and also for experiential reasons. And um, theologically, I'm not going to unpack it this morning, just because of, of, for the sake of time, I know we're getting, getting on this morning, but there's, there's different situations in the Bible. One of them is in John chapter 20, verse 21. That's probably the most famous one, where Jesus just on it's Easter Sunday, it's the end of the day, he shows up to his disciples, and he does something very interesting. He shows up, they're all afraid, they're freaking out because here he, he just was dead, and now he's there in front of them, and they're, they're scared, and at the same time, they're overjoyed because he's still alive. Jesus says, peace to you, and then he says, he, he does this, it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive 
the Holy Spirit. And then it was several weeks later that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you see this kind of same pattern in Acts chapter 10. There's this group of people that had already put their faith and trust in Jesus. And, and, but then they have this second kind of experience where they are, are filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can read that in Acts chapter 10. The whole thing, is, it just unpacks that. So theologically, I lean this way. And I keep saying lean because it's not like I'm— if it's a gray area, I'm never going to come out and say, boom, no, this is the way it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay, and I'm gonna, I lean this way. But experientially, I believe it as well, because, so I first gave my life to Christ when I was five years old. I remember the day very clearly, and, uh, and he came, he made his home inside of me. Um, I started a journey of learning about him and growing and just getting to know who he was. But then when I was 15, I had an experience that I cannot fully explain to you, except to say that, that I knew that God was asking me to go to a, a place of complete surrender, unlike what I had back when I was five. Now, Pastor Grant would say like this. He would say, well, what happens is that you just don't really fully understand what happened the first time. It's not a different, like, you're, you're, you're filled in a different way. Again, two different camps, totally okay to have a different view, opinion on, on how it works. But for me, there was this experience where I just, I, I went there with, with God. I'm like, God, I, I totally surrender everything that I am. I want all that you have for me, and I knew deep down in my soul that this was, this was it. There was no going back. It was like the, the bridges were going to be burnt in that moment. It's all in with Jesus. And I yielded full control of my life to him, even control of the words that were coming out of my mouth. And people in the second camp, they, they'll often compare it to a house, you know, a house that's been wired with electricity. Um, the power dwells in the house, but it's not until, um, it's not filled with power until the lights or the appliances, are the, the, the switch is flipped. At the end of the day, though, it doesn't matter the timing when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. The timing doesn't matter. The wind doesn't matter. At the end of the day, what really matters is are we saying, God, I want whatever you have for me. Lord, I want all of you. I want everything that you have for me. That's what he's asking us today. That's what he's asking us this morning. And, and if this isn't about convincing you one way or the other. Like I said, arguments can be made for both camps. Um, this isn't about me getting you to speak some kind of prayer language. This, this is about us together going, Holy Spirit, we, are, we just want to surrender complete control of our lives to you because we trust you. We trust what Jesus said when he said there's a gift from my Father that, we, that I want to give you. We trust that when Jesus came to baptize, not with, just with water, but with fire, we trust that the, that, that, that Holy Spirit, that all-consuming fire, Jesus, if you said it, He's good. And I want whatever, whatever He has for me. I don't think it's, it's any coincidence that this sermon is being preached after the women's retreat. I actually did not, like— I knew, I knew this sermon was coming because of today being Pentecost, and actually that's a big reason why we're having a series on the Holy Spirit, is because 
I've always wanted to do a Holy Spirit sermon series in the month of Pentecost. It just always seemed like the right month. But I did not plan it with what happened last weekend and today. But I was thinking as I was getting ready that I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence. Because an outpouring, a move of God's Spirit has already started. Has already started in our church. A hunger and desire for more of Jesus has been stirred. And today is, is I think it's part two. I think it's part two of what God's already done. And so I've been really kind of contemplating, okay, what, God, how do you want me to wrap up this, this morning's service? And, and, and here's what, here's what, what we're going to do. We're going to, um, the worship team's going to come, and you guys can actually come on, come up, come on up right now. And we're going to end it like we do every week. Um, we're going to sing a song. The song that we're going to sing is a very familiar song. It's called Open the Eyes of My Heart. And there's a, a, a section of the song where, where it's, it's really a prayer. And that prayer is pour out your power in love as we sing holy, holy, holy. And so we're going to, if that's you, I'm just going to this morning it, ask you, if, you're, if, you're, if you've been challenged this morning, if you've been stirred um, to make that your prayer. God, pour out your power in love. God, here's my life. God, I just want to empty myself before you and, and say, Lord, whatever you want with me. Um, I would imagine there are probably some of you in the room this morning who are going, man, I have never heard about this stuff that you're talking about today, Rich. This is like brand new. And maybe you're even going, Rich, I never knew that you had a prayer language until this morning. Why were you just finding this out now? Rich, you've been here for 12 years. Um, honestly, um, I was talking, when I was talking with Pastor Grant about this, I said, Grant, I kind of feel like I'm coming out of the closet this week as like a, <laughs> with, with speaking in t- tongues and stuff. Honestly, if I could just be transparent, maybe it's because I've just been a little afraid and just going, man, I don't, I don't know what people will think. And, and also, not just afraid of what people think, but even, I got to tell you, I grew up in a setting in the church, first church that I was pastor in, I saw I mean, I just, I just, I was that guy that saw it, and I'm like, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. And what God has been doing to me is saying, Rich, do you really trust me? Do you really trust me? Are you, Rich, do you, do you trust me enough to say whatever you want, Lord, or, or is your, your trust only, is it, it just, is it limited? Are you at a place where you're going, I trust you, Lord, but I prefer to keep you in a box in some ways. And he's saying, Rich, do you trust me? Do you trust, am I good? If I say that it's a gift, that he's a gift, that he's a gift who's going to give gifts, Rich, do you trust that I'm good? Do you trust that? So we're going to sing this song, and, uh, and um, I'm going to invite you to stand. But then after this song is done, you are dismissed when the song is done. Um, But if you're here this morning and you're going, you know what, I just want to linger. Maybe you just want to have a a moment of going, okay, I want to go to another place of surrender. Another place of just saying, Lord, whatever you want with me and in my life. Um, If you're in that place, we're we're actually going to do something we don't typically do. We're going to sing a few more songs. And um, some songs that are 
prayers. One of them says, set a fire in my heart that I can't contain, that I can't control. And we're just going to say, God, we want all of you. But I do want you to say, you got plans this afternoon, you have to go. There's no guilt, no shame. Feel free to go. Um, some of you after this morning, hearing something you've never heard about, you're, you just need to process this. You're going, I need to go and just get alone with God. And go, God, what are you saying here? Um, maybe have a conversation with someone that you love and trust and just totally cool, totally fine. But if you're going, I just want to, I, I do want to linger. Um, I want to invite you to do that. Um, if you do, after we sing this song, you, if you are going to leave, I invite you and would ask you take your conversation um, out into the lobby or outside and uh, so that we can just have a space in here just to really connect and, and meet with Jesus. So let's sing this song together and, and let's just surrender our hearts and surrender our lives to Jesus.